You're listening to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 10th. The year is winding down. We have so much going on sports-wise, Bags. The Giants have a huge win in Seattle. The Washington Football Club says, hold my beer. We're going to go beat the Steelers and take down their glory visions, dreams of going 16-0. The Jets have an epic collapse against the Raiders. Couldn't have a bigger contrast of a Jet Giant week. I can't wait to dig into it. How you doing? I'm doing good. We got a little snow yesterday, Platt. I'm sure you were happy about that since you're back up in Florida. But I'll tell you what, it's getting really good in the sports world. We got a lot of great games this week. Before we get to the Jets and Giants, there's three games starting tonight in prime time, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, all with playoff implications. It's going to be really cool. And, of course, Big Blue will start with, um, I didn't really give him a shot. Not a lot of people did. Uh, it was a really, really good win. The defense is really starting to play like giant football. Jabril Peppers, the home kid from Jersey, Bergen County, just playing like an all-pro. Uh, I read a great article about him today. The Giants are really on the same page. I think Judge has this team playing with what I saw them lacking early in the year, which was passion and playing together. Uh, I don't want to bring up the close losses because you can say that about any other team. But that was just a good, good football win, Platt, on the road in the NFL. And you really can't be happier if you're a Giant fan because you got through Thanksgiving still with playoff hopes and now it's looking really good and ironically me and you as partners Redskins Giants got a got a few games to go here neck and neck Giants have the tiebreaker it's going to be really fun going down the stretch here we got the holiday season happy Hanukkah Merry Christmas it's going to get real good and we'll talk college football after the NFL but the Giants really showed me something flat I was very, very happy to see that. And I'm finally getting into giant football again. Well, I love, and we've talked about this for a few weeks now, Joe Judge, right guy, right time, right place. And I think we've said it from day one. This wasn't a flashy hire. This wasn't Bill Belichick's offensive coordinator or Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator. This was a special teams coach, a hard knock mentality, defense, run the ball, quarterback don't lose me the game i mean they went into seattle and beat a good seahawks team i'm not ready to say they're a great seahawks team a very good seahawks team in seattle and they beat russell wilson a team that was scoring like 30 or 35 points a game and you're right their defense stepped up they played tremendous they stopped seattle when they needed to stop them and colt mccoy the vet this is why you have a good veteran as a backup quarterback the numbers weren't great if you looked at the stat sheet you'd say wow the giants must have got smoked but he managed the game and he did what he needed to do to win he really did and i gotta give the giants credit on their running game because platt we really killed them in the beginning of the year there was no gel with the line uh, obviously barkley was out there was somebody uh, that needed to step up and it is wayne gallman out of the out of Clemson University, former national another Clemson and, guy, and he really—they're all over the map. He really, really just established himself as—and by the way, he's in a contract year. But anyway, getting back to the running game, if you can't run, you can't do anything. As we said, the running game only helps the QB. 
So at a time where you needed the running game to really step up with a backup quarterback in who's 500 probably uh, in his career when lost, you don't have your starter in. It was like they just ran the ball so well, and, and you just need that. Uh, you know, you don't want third and long all the time, and they really just manage the game pretty well. Uh, Gallman is really establishing himself uh, and making a case for them to re-sign him because you don't need Barkley to, you know, to, to, no one runs 30 to 35 carries anymore. So I'm really hoping they actually want to keep Gallman um, and have Barkley and Gallman. Because if you remember on the on the Super Bowl teams, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, you had, you know, it, with, with Jacobs and Bradshaw. I mean, you, you need two had, backs. You need you do, two you backs. Really do. It's, you really do. It's a different do. league. It's essential. It is. It is. And you know what? With, with all the injuries, Platt, how could you even think about not having two backs with all these ACLs that get torn on his bad turf? I, I, I just really hope that uh, the Giants can get him signed. And I really, I'm really curious to see how Gallman finishes this season. Um, there's out, obviously, if he got hurt, we're going to need someone else too. So it's really important to run the ball, as we saw this week. And ironically, the Jets go to Seattle next week. So we'll see the difference in, uh, in teams and who can really travel across the country and, and get a W. And nothing against the Jets, but they're, you know they're getting 13. It doesn't look like they got a shot. But flying across country is always tough. I like the way um, Judge is, 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 has been coaching this year. And there's actually been a couple guys stepping out of line, and he suspended Tate. So I think he's got a good handle on the program, and, and that's really what you want, especially if you're uh, in the front office. Yeah, you know what? You, you've said it countless times. You just want to be playing meaningful football games after Thanksgiving and going into December. And that's exactly what the Giant fan base is getting here. So I don't want to hear any complaints from Giant fans that they've won five games or six games or they're going to sneak into the playoffs. They're, I think, what, five and two over their last seven games. They've beaten right. now Seattle. They have a big test in Arizona and the Cardinals and Murray coming here. And we're going to see what they can do there. But they're playing meaningful games and they are fighting for a playoff spot right now. I think a year or two before anybody imagined they would be. And yes, part of that is because the division or the NFC East is not great. That said, they're there and you can only do what you can do. And you play the games in front of you and your record is your record. As Bill Parcells used to say glowingly, your record is your record. And they're in first place right now. You could be a Jets fan. You could be a Jets fan and have to deal with that nonsense. No, no, I'm really happy because in the beginning I kind of threw in the towel early, flat, and I didn't see this coming. So now it's almost like an early Christmas present. You know what I mean? And and Arizona, if you look, it's, they're six and six. So we gotta <clears throat> really, really take them seriously because I've been speaking about Murray all year. He's just so awesome to watch. He's fast as hell. Peppers is going to have his hands full this week because he's kind of like a rover anyway. So they're going to really have to contain him because he averages around 69 yards per game. So if they're not worried about uh, Murray and, and you know, you, you can't just key on Fitzgerald and Hopkins the whole game. You really have to uh, contain Murray. So it's going to be a great game. you got the playoff implications on both teams. So it's going to be a really, really good football game. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just pumped. It's always great when you live in the tri-state area, as you and I both do, when the Giants are doing well. Whether you love them or hate them, it's just nice to have a New York team that is relevant and we're talking about come playoff time. It hasn't happened in a while. So it's exciting, I think, for the fan base. It's exciting for the tri-state area. And God knows New York as a whole needs something right now, even though the team plays in New Jersey. New York needs something right now to rally behind. So this is this is exciting. And, you know, you have to – you almost have to feel for the Jets fan base at this point. Like, Bags, that, that was one of the worst losses I've ever witnessed, but one that you <laughs> – one that you were not remotely surprised by. Were you surprised that they lost that game? The so, way they did? I, I, I'm never surprised by their losses, but the way they did, and we're going to get to that uh, real quick because I don't want to spend too much time on the Jets, but Platt, when you were bringing up exciting football, the funny thing is, is because they don't have a win, their games are actually exciting because you want them to lose for the number one pick. So when we were texting last week, I must have got between 20 and 30 texts in that last-minute drive. And it was just like, oh, my God, these Jet fans are dying for this team to lose. So it's almost like instead of going 0-16, which they could potentially go, you're going for this complete franchise quarterback that the, the final two minutes of that game, I mean, you were on the text with me. It, it, it was, the phone was going off. So not only do you have the Giants in this playoff hunt and, well, the division title hunt with the playoffs on the line, you also have these Jet games that actually were exciting because if the Platt, if the Jets and the Raiders were playing and they were, and they were you know, 3-8 and eight and not 0-11, we would have turned that game off and it wouldn't even matter. But the magnitude of what can happen if they get this number one pick made that game almost a must-watch in the last two minutes. And you know every bar and restaurant in the area and everybody at home in their TV, uh, watching their TVs was going, hold on, let me turn off the red zone for a second. I want to go live to this Jet game because obviously the red zone is on delay. I want to see if they're going to blow this. And most of our friends wanted them to. And to tell you the truth, I wanted them to too. But here's the thing, and you said it first. On the first pass play, by Carr, with 23 seconds left, the guy got behind the defense, okay? So what do you say after that play when if Carr doesn't overthrow that kid, number 15, I forget his name, on the Raiders. Aguilar, the kid who was on the Eagles, yeah. Okay, so if he doesn't overthrow him, Platt, that's, that's a touchdown, okay? So then if you're the defensive coordinator and the head coach, you got to say, how the hell did we just let somebody behind us in the on first down in one of the last plays of the game when we're up four and they need a touchdown? And wouldn't you know it, the next freaking defensive call is an all-out blitz leaving these guys on the island. A rookie. And a rookie. the game by the guy getting behind them again. It's not like the first play was like an incomplete pass. It was almost a touchdown. So you, you think you're going to just you know say, hey, let's bring them back. Let's play a prevent D, pre D here. They didn't. How could that happen? And I know they, 
uh, you, you agree with me, but what are you going to do? How do you explain that move? couple of things. One, you had a, a, a rookie cornerback guarding arguably the fastest guy in the NFL. Ruggs four, two, is 42740. And then he, here's my problem. You fire and then we're done with the Jets. You fire Greg Williams the next day. Adam right. Gase is the head coach of the team. He's got headphones on. He heard the call. How do you not run over to Williams after the pass play before that and say, bro, no blitzing. Prevent, put the guys on the goal line. Do You're the head coach, and if you're that right, inept. Before the call is even made, right? Yeah, or, or after that play where it was almost a touchdown, how do you not run down the sideline or walk five feet to Greg Williams and say, let's not run that back again. Let's play prevent defense because they came within three inches of scoring the game-winning touchdown. So for me, fine, you want to make Williams a scapegoat. That was a horrible call on his part, but Gates – to just give him a pass on this blows my mind. Now, do you think, Platt, there's a conspiracy on saying, well, I just saw him almost give up a touchdown. If we, if we, don't give, if we give up the touchdown, we still get a shot at Lawrence. And then he hears the play call come in his ear, and it's another blitz, and he doesn't call the timeout. So that's why I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, that's the most idiotic move in the world. And now you're going to do the second most idiotic move in the world. How could you not think in the back of your head that they're going after the number one pick? And the best part in all this is that Woody, is that Woody Johnson is sleeping in London while all this is going, while all this is unfolding. Oh, he's Mr. Ambassador in Europe. <laughs> yeah, you care about your football team. <laughs> all right, let, let's talk. Let's talk football that matters. Giants' remaining schedule: Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, Cowboys. You never win and lose games on paper, but give me your prediction here with these four games left. Okay, so Giants, you want to start with Redskins or Giants? Start with Giants, and then we'll do Redskins. Right. I'm, I'm done calling them the Washington Football Club. We're, they're the Washington Redskins for this show. Go ahead. Done, done. So I haven't even done that. I haven't started that yet. So Giants-Cardinals. Cardinals are favored to win this week. The Giants play the Ravens, you said? That means they're going to be they're going to be underdogs again, and then you said they played Dallas the last game of the season. That'll be the only game out of the four left that they're favored to win. In my mind, with the Cardinals at six and six coming into Giant Stadium, I don't feel good, especially as an underdog in in, in, in Vegas, with Colt McCoy asking him to do this again. Now, there's also speculation that Jones might play. Now, here's the biggest thing as, as a coach you have to make. Hamstrings and high ankle sprains are the trickiest things in sport. Do you, do you force Jones into this game? The weather's supposed to be really nice on Sunday, by the way. 50 and sunny. And it's, in, it's at home, obviously. So do you push Jones into this game and potentially hurt that hamstring again and then you get McCoy the rest of the way? Or do you give... Jones an extra week to get healthy and give McCoy another game and see what they can do. It's a really, really big decision. And it, this so, is probably the most pivotal game, Platt, because, um, you know, at, at the Cardinals 6-6, six and six, and you got the Redskins with winnable games down the stretch, you don't want to have to commit to that Dallas game and have to win it when it's against Dallas, as you know, division rival, the whole thing. 
they would love to knock the Giants out of the playoffs because every time we go down there in the playoffs, we smoke them. So, so the biggest the question only, for me is who do you start at QB? So only only Giants ownership and Judge know how Daniel Jones is. If his hamstring is bothering him at all, he should not play this weekend because you cannot make him two things, a pocket passer for the entire game because we both know the guy loves to run and is a weapon running the ball. And sure. two, you're risking you're risking injury and putting him out for the whole season. So while I get this game is of utter importance, unless he is 100% healthy, I think it's a huge risk to play him this week. And I agree with you. You don't want to put all your chips in the Cowboys game. But I said before, you don't play these games on paper. So like the Cleveland Browns are playing great football right now. The Ravens are the Ravens. But you're, you, you could beat one of those teams. It, it's not a foregone conclusion that you're losing both those games. You look at it on paper and you sure. say, yes, we're not going to be favorites. I get that. But they could yeah. beat Cleveland. Baltimore, yeah, they, tougher they, they battle. Can, they can. Cleveland's on a real high. I think what we saw from the Ravens the other night might have been just been, been a little bit of the uh, the Cowgirls defense being really bad and, and, and Lamar get, being back to full strength uh, from the COVID. And you know, the Redskins have a tough game, too. The 49ers have to go go, go into Washington. Uh, they're given three. So, it, it's. I mean, it makes it more fun for the average football fan. But for me and you, it's, you know, it's like hanging on a thread. Both spreads are two and a half and three. It's like it's really, really coming down to these four games. And if you're going to have a Cleveland and a Baltimore on your schedule out of two out of these four, I mean, I'm really thinking you got to win this football game. But I agree with you. If you're not a hundred percent, give you know, give McCoy another shot. He, what he did last week was really impressive. Throw the stats in the garbage plat. We've seen that before, where bad quarterbacks uh, have won Super Bowls. So you really got to just say, "Hey, my defense is playing great. We're running the ball. Let's give Colt McCoy another shot this week. See if he can do it." And you know, the Redskins have a nail biter with the, with the Niners, so it's not really a huge decision. If the Redskins were at home, say given like seven to Dallas, it almost looks like a like a harder task. But when right. you see the Redskins have a tougher game and they're underdogs, it kind of it makes it maybe okay. Maybe we could squeak one out. Maybe the Niners can beat Skins. And by the way, the Giants have a tiebreaker, as I said, since they beat the Skins twice this year. Um, I'm all for the hundred percent thing with Jones, but if McCoy can, I, I also have faith in in this team. Not McCoy. I have faith in this team that they can win this week. Yeah, and and it's not like you know Daniel Jones is having a nice season, but it's not like we're talking about Colt McCoy or Peyton Manning playing quarterback. Like Jones, That's a great, great, it, good point. Right, like he's not an All Pro, and yes, I understand that you want him to play, but if if McCoy has to go, it's not like it's ten steps down the ladder. So the the remaining schedule for the Giants: Cardinals, Browns, Ravens, Cowboys. Washington has the Forty ers Seattle. The Panthers, which that's going to be a big game for Ron Rivera, obviously, being the ex-coach there, and the Eagles. So you don't know what you're going to get with the Eagles. You don't know how Jalen Hurts going to perform and if he's going to perform and if he's still going to be the quarterback at that point. The Panthers will be a revenge game for Ron Rivera. Seattle's going to be a tough game. And the 49ers are still playing good football with their teams decimated by injuries in every position. But, you know, Shanahan's uh, what's-his-face has done a great job there. Um, they're... I don't know. On paper, Washington should should win more games than the Giants, but 
who knows what's going to happen here? Like, yeah, like on, like on paper, Platt, like you said to me offline, Washington, I think, has the easier schedule. Although this is the NFL, uh, right. you can't just take a team lightly, especially when you bring up the, the Rivera factor. And I'm pretty sure McCaffrey will be ready by the, when they play the Redskins because now he has a shoulder injury too. Um, and I don't think yeah, he's all banged up this anyway. year. Yeah. yeah. So I feel bad for him. He's coming off from an amazing season. Okay. So the Redskins, let's say, have an easier road. But I just love how the Giants and the Cowboys and the Redskins Eagles play in the last week of the season because it, it, that's, that, that's what it should be every single year, especially when you get these shitty divisions like the NFC East this year where it really comes into play. I mean, that last week's going to be really cool for the NFC East fans. But, Bags, how funny is it how it flipped in the middle of the season? Because at the beginning of the year, everybody looked at the Eagles and Cowboys and said they're going to be battling it out for the NFC East championship, and Washington and the Giants are going to be pulling up the rear by a lot. And now, because of injuries and because of everything else going on, it has flipped the script, and now you're going to have the Eagles and Cowboys trying to spoil Washington in the Giants season. Crazy how this happens. Hey, how about, how about this flip? NFC East quarterbacks. Okay. This week could be McCoy, Jalen Hurts, Alex Smith, and the Redheads who plays for the Cowgirls. Now, those, <laughs> neither of those four quarterbacks started in the beginning of the year, and now that's how they're going to finish. And that is just the most unpredictable scenario you could ever think of. And that's just the NFL. Which I, you know, that's why you love it, and that's why you, you know, that's why you sit there Sunday for ten hours because you got four quarterbacks who had didn't, who didn't have a starting job, and now Alex Smith, who pro- uh, you got to give him NFL comeback player of the year. I mean that injury should have actually well it almost killed him, and it almost took him out of the game for life. And now what he did being the Steelers, the undefeated Steelers. Uh, raise your glasses, uh, 72 Dolphins. Larry's not there down there, greasy. Because that was an amazing performance by the Redskins. Listen, the Steelers played sloppy. But to see Alex Smith and Colt McCoy with two of their biggest wins of the year in the same week when they didn't start the season is just truly amazing for this, for this division. Yeah, and it's making the NFC East and football around here a lot of fun to watch. And I know <laughs> we talked... It really is. We, we talked offline. You didn't want to discuss the Des Bryant thing. All I'm going to say about that is he got two negative yeah, tests back. He got two negative tests back now after testing positive. He was on the sidelines right before the game. They told him he couldn't play. He was pre- warming up, hugging players. Like, talk about the NFL being a businessman. Like, I don't feel bad for Des Bryant. He's got millions of dollars in the bank. He obviously is an egomaniac. He's apparently right of the ship a little bit. But watching what happened to him, the other night, I was going to say Thursday night, but I think it was Tuesday night, was unfair that it went down the way it did. And I realize no one has their arms around how this works out exactly. But when you look at the NFL as a business, the NFL technically should not have played that game based on the way this is all shaking out with COVID. You had a player on the field who tested positive 25 minutes before the game started. He was hugging coaches and players. They told him not to play. Then they do two more tests on him and he's negative. Like what a bizarre set of circumstances that's going on in the NFL right now. It's how do you justify that? I don't know. They can't, and Roger Goodell <laughs> isn't going to, and they're not going to cancel the game twenty minutes before. And any other league, including the NBA, would have 
would have called it in two seconds. But Goodell's not going to call that game, and and there we are. So yeah, there let's, we are. Let's do some picks. Let's do some picks. Yeah, absolutely, Platt. I'll start us off. Unfortunately, um, I'm going to play the Patriots tonight. I like what Same. they're doing. The, Same. The Rams are giving. Yeah, the Rams are at home, giving five and a half. There's something about counting out New England too early. So I'm going past game one. Game two, I'm going the Bucks. I think Brady and the Bucks have to really start playing some football. They're giving only six and a half to the shittiest team I've seen in a while, the Vikings. Next to the Jets, by the way. Bucks minus six and a half over the Vikes. Game three, I'm going Bengals at home versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys... I've watched their secondary plat actually get out of the way of some ball carriers. They have packed it in. Nobody wants to get hurt. You could tell they're, they're three and nine. They're, there's no way to make the playoffs, even if they, you know, ran the table. I'm going Bengals, Bucks, Patriots. There you All go. Right, and I'm good. Week 14 bags. All right. Platt's going. Pat's tonight. I'm taking the skins. Over the Niners, and I'm taking Miami. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites. Dolphins have a great defense. I'm taking Miami to keep that close. I don't think they're winning that game, but I think they're keeping it close. Those are my picks for the week. Bags, as we get into college football here, I just want to say one thing, and I noticed this weekend, it's a random thought, but watching, watching the end of the Raiders game and watching Ruggs score that touchdown, Alabama's crop of wide receivers that is playing in the NFL and that is about to get drafted to come into the NFL is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing to look at the list of wide receivers that have come out of Alabama. And I feel like they don't get enough recognition at that university. They get recognition for everything else under the sun and Saban and what they built. And I know you can't stand them and you're a Clemson guy. But look at the wide receivers that that university has put in the NFL right now. And Smith... And the other kid that at Waddle that are coming out are going to take it to the next step. There's like eight or nine guys that are arguably in the top 25 wide receivers in football. Yeah, and you know what, Platt, and not to not to stay on Clemson, Alabama, but I, I remember talking to you a few weeks ago. All these kids that that are wide receivers at skill positions, they want to go down south, and these are the kids, Platt, that teams in the Big Ten can't catch. They can't stay with. They can't cover. So, I mean, there's Clemson wide receivers all over the place. Don't even get me started. But you're right about the Bama guys. You're right about the Bama guys. They're almost a little under the radar. Where they are, you know, and they're all running four fours, and they're all on good teams. And all of a sudden, you see, oh, is Clemson playing Alabama for the national championship every year? Hey, I think I run a four two. Let me go take my visit there. And you know what it's going to be now? It's going to be a freaking factory. It's going to be wide I mean, receiver you, Platt. And you, I'm I was you looking at it. Up. Ridley, Jones, Cooper, Smith, Waddle, Ruggs, Judy. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I know Clemson's there too, but I just feel like Alabama never gets the press around the wide receivers. Okay, college football, no, Ohio true. State. Bags, let's talk yeah. Ohio State. So <laughs> the conference basically changed their mind for like the 15th time this year and said we're going to allow them to play for the big, little 10, little 12, whatever we're calling it these days, championship. <laughs> right. It's so sad. You know what, Platt? What pisses me off is they, they, they started out with a really bad decision. Okay. 
they said, we're not going to play this year because we're the mighty Big Ten and we're going to make this great uh, decision and say, no, it's the wrong thing to do, blah, 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 blah. The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 were like, we got this under control. Let's, we're going to roll with it. Okay. And I don't want to bring up, you know, financial implications on, on the schools because we know the Big Ten has all the money. But that was the first uh, bed shitting. Now, they start the season late. Okay. And then they put in this rule. So this rule should be in place. When you put in a rule, it should be in place for the rest of the season. Correct. Correct. Well, guess what? They just rewrote the rule. Like me and you uh, were, were changing rules when we were playing in your driveway, like street hockey. Oh, you got to win by two now. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that. Like the, the backyard football. Oh, you know, it's just it's just so like JV and, 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 and just not like the Big Ten puts themselves on this pedestal. Well, guess what? I know you don't want to see two ACC teams and two SEC, SEC teams in the Final Four, but guess what? If you think you're so great, why did you, why did you let this happen to your conference? And now you have to change the rule and look like babies. It's almost like they would sell their sister just to get into the Final Four playoff. And by the way, they play Northwestern. So even if they're going to go 6-0, and Platt, and Clemson beats uh, uh, Clemson beats Notre Dame. Alabama's in no matter what, even if they lose to Florida. So you know what I kind of want to see? I would like to see Florida beat Bama in the SEC championship game. I know Clemson's beating Notre Dame in the ACC. We don't lose in Charlotte that game. So if you got Florida, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame with the best loss in the country because Notre, Clemson would be number one in the country at the time. Ohio State's got to be left out with a 6-0 and shitty schedule and your best team is against, your best win is against Indiana and you're coming off beating Northwestern where Florida's playing Alabama and Clemson's playing Notre Dame. I mean, you can't make so, this up. I, I, was, I was legitimately just going to ask you about this. The Clemson-Notre Dame game, does it come down to how that game plays out? And what I mean by that is if Clemson yeah. wins 31-28, do, do you say, well, Notre Dame beat him the first time. I know it was at home. I know Trevor Lawrence didn't in play. Game. but in, in a close game, but they kept this game close. If Clemson hangs a 41-13 drubbing on Notre Dame and Ohio State wins, what happens then? That's and Ohio State wins question. convincingly. Convincingly, right. what happens question. then? Because because let's just put it on paper right now. Ohio State is going to run it up, and they're going to run it up big, and they're going to be you know they're going to be scumbags about it, and that's just that's not going to. But they have to. That's, I know they do. But they do. They have to. So if if Clemson loses, they're out. But if Clemson wins a close one, your your question is great because how can you tell Notre Dame with a one loss? Okay against the number one team in the country and put an Ohio State team that, you know, revised the rules just to get in this game, and you know they're going to blow out the Wildcats. And, and, and if, if Clemson blows them out, then you, have, then you have an argument if you're a Buckeye fan. If they don't, I don't think you do. I think Notre Dame is in, no matter what. But Ohio State gets in if Alabama beats Florida. That's the scenario there. you got to look at. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, Florida this, it's, really. If Florida beats Bama, which they can, they're at number six right now. So that's why you. That's why Bama's automatically in because if they lose to a six, that's that, that's a great loss, and then Florida would be ranked, you know, three or four, maybe even two, with Clemson up so one. For as shitty of a college football season as we've had because of the injuries and COVID and this conference is playing and that conference isn't playing, look at how juicy this scenario that's in front of us is right now. I get we don't like... I wrote it down on paper today, Platt. And by the way, do you you look at this year and say, hmm, I think think eight teams should get in? Or do you you say, I think four is enough? That's kind of what I was thinking about today. I think four is enough, and I think we talked about it, that these four to five teams, maybe throw Florida in the mix here with Ohio State, are so much better that, like, normally, on a normal year, LSU is is top seven. Georgia's top seven. There's a an Oregon that's a, hovering around there. There are teams that are knocking on the door. Outside of Florida, I don't see another team that even could be in consideration to talk about the playoffs right now. So I think if you would have had eight teams, like I don't even know who's ranked number eight right now, but I feel like Alabama in a one, eight matchup would have smoked whoever that was, or you give them yeah, a buy. Well, remember we talked about Cincinnati, but th- th- that would, that would be like the only argument by college football guys where like, Hey, listen, if you do get eight, then one of the mid majors can actually play for a national championship. Nowadays, when there's four, and you know I don't care about it because my school is in a good good position. If if you move it to eight, then you allow a Cincinnati or a BYU before they they lost a shot at the national championship when you go undefeated. Cincinnati will go undefeated, and they will be looking in at uh, a potentially maybe three to four, maybe three out of the four teams with one loss. So that would be my only argument. I, I kind of like the four because, yeah. you know, it's just it's, – it's too many games. This is, works out perfect because we have the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl on January 1. That might be the best January 1st we've had in a long time. And, yeah, and the God Rose knows. Bowl is probably the greatest college football setting there is in the, in the land. Yeah, so, we need Keith, Keith Jackson and Musburger four, calling that game. Oh, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? Oh, Brent. I miss Brent. But uh, so right now, you know, four's good, but I could see him down the line saying, hey, you know, we got, say, BYU was undefeated, and since he was undefeated, they're never going to crack that four. That's why I think the four is, is, you know, it's been working out, but to crack that four is almost an impossibility with the schedules that the mid-majors play. And I, and I agree with you. So he, here's what I'd like to see come playoff scenario. This is just Platt's right. wish list. I want to see Alabama at one play Notre Dame at four. And I want to see Lawrence against Fields in the 2-3 game. Because last year, as good as that game was, Fields wasn't healthy. He couldn't run. He had a bad ankle, I believe. Give me both of those guys healthy. Let that game play out. That'll be a sensational football game. And Notre Dame-Alabama should be a good game, too, if we get there. But I would love to see those two matchups in the playoffs just because of the drama with Fields and Lawrence being what's being talked about. I mean, Lawrence is a surefire one, but Fields potentially being number two and the second-best quarterback in the land. I would love to see that matchup in the playoffs. Platt, I couldn't agree more. 
Um, this year is the only time I'm, I'm afraid of the Buckeyes, and I actually think Fields, if, if, a, if a certain team, I, I really shouldn't be saying this, but Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one. But any other year, Fields would be the clear number one. So you're looking at number one, number two quarterbacks coming out of the draft playing against each other for with the national championship on the line. I mean, it can't get any better than that sports-wise. So I'm looking forward to it. I definitely want to dive into the Notre Dame-Clemson game next week because, yep. I mean, talk about national title implications on an ACC title game. That's never happened. Um, I'm, I'm going to have a special Clemson guest call on our show next week too. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, Platt. Yeah, it's going to be some exciting stuff coming up. We're going to have some good football, some playoff football in both NFL and college. We'll have to start getting to the NBA soon with that yeah. George signing and today. Thing, and the last thing <laughs> I'll say on my, on, on my part is Army Navy's this weekend. So all those all those games that got canceled, you still got Army Navy, and it's really just a joy to watch. Great experience too. If you've never been to a yeah. game, great experience. All right, buddy. Great show today. Yes, you too, bud. Have a great weekend. I'm sure we'll be in touch with both of it. So uh, look forward to next week's show. All right. Have a good one.